Jesus appeared bodily to his disciples. We're looking at John chapter 20, verse 19 through to the end of the chapter, verse 31. Today we're going to look at the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ to his apostles and to other disciples in a room where they had assembled on the Sunday evening. However, when piecing together the various resurrection accounts, which isn't particularly easy, it wasn't particularly easy for me, it can be seen that Jesus had already appeared to certain women. So don't imagine when Jesus appeared in the room where the the apostles and disciples had assembled, that was the first appearance. He'd already appeared to certain women who had gone to the tomb to attend his dead body. Well, at least that's what they thought they were going to do. However, an angel met them outside the tomb and said, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As the women headed back to the disciples, they were met by the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 9 through to 10, it is written, As they went to tell tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail! And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid, Go tell my brethren that they go to into Galilee and there shall they see me. So we've got Jesus appearing to the women. Also, as was considered the last time we studied John's Gospel, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene outside the tomb. You remember she thought she saw, she saw the gardener at first, but then Jesus said, Mary... She recognised his voice and she saw that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Go tell my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and to your God. That's not it. There's even more. Jesus had already appeared to the apostle Peter. As it is written in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 5, he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. Seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. The twelve refers to the apostles, even though at that time Judas Iscariot was no longer with them. It's just a term that is used for the apostles, the twelve. So Jesus was seen by Cephas or Peter, then by the twelve. So Peter was seen before, seen by Jesus, or he saw Jesus before the other apostles did, even though he had denied Jesus three times. Does that not say something about the grace and the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. You would have thought that Peter would have been the last one who would have seen Jesus, but he was the first one. Uh, All of the apostles had fled, they'd scattered when Jesus was arrested, but it was Peter who actually denied Jesus three times, and he saw Jesus before the rest of them. 
Also there were those two disciples who were making their way to Emmaus, which was about seven and a half miles away from Jerusalem. They were a miserable pair because they thought that Jesus was dead. But then Jesus joined them on their journey, but he didn't immediately reveal who he was to them. He walked with them and he explained to them in the scriptures all the things concerning the Christ. Although he hadn't shown them that he was the Christ, he he began to open up the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, obviously. The New Testament scriptures, they didn't exist at the time, or they Uh, So Jesus explained from the Old Testament scriptures all the things concerning him, all the prophecies as he walked with them. And then looking at Luke chapter 24, let me just read that to you. Luke 24 verse 30 through to 36. And it came to pass as he sat at meat with them or sat down to eat with them. He took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave to them and their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. This is going to be a familiar theme this morning. That's important to realise that their eyes were opened. They didn't, that doesn't mean that they'd been walking around with their eyes closed, their physical eyes closed. Jesus opened their understanding. This is what you need to understand here. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while we talked with, while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them. So those two on the road to Emmaus, they saw Jesus before the, uh, the apostles. And yeah, they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them saying, the Lord is risen indeed and have appeared to Simon. That's the, that's the ones who they met back in Jerusalem. They're saying the Lord has met, met with Simon and they told what things were done in the way. So this is the two that were on the road to Emmaus told them what happened on the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. Clearly those two disciples no longer had any desire whatsoever to continue their journey to Emmaus. They must have spun round on the hills and they couldn't wait to get back to Jerusalem to tell the others in the room that about uh, them seeing Jesus. And when they got to that room... The others told them that Jesus had appeared to Peter. So they shared all these experiences. Peter having seen uh, Jesus and the two on the road to Emmaus having seen Jesus. That takes us to our passage for this morning with Jesus appearing to the other apostles and disciples in the room. It was now Sunday evening and the Lord Jesus Christ appeared in the room back in Jerusalem even though the doors were shut. It's relevant that the doors were shut. Let's have a look at our passage for today. John 20 verse 19. 
Then the same day at the evening, at evening being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Can you see the relevance there? Uh, it's not just a bit of useless information that the door was shut. It's very relevant. They didn't, they, they, the Jesus appeared in that secure room and they must have been really shocked to see Jesus in there. And Jesus said to them, peace be unto you. Jesus showed them his hands and his side and then they were glad when, when they, that, and they saw the Lord. We see that in verse 20. When he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. So clearly they believed that was Jesus. They saw the Lord, they were glad. And the wonderful Jesus. But the, the thing is still, the door was shut. So their faith was very wobbly, to say the least. Very wobbly. And it's helpful if we turn again to Luke chapter 24 and we'll see just how wobbly their, their faith was. Because they, they're still puzzling. How is this Jesus when the door's shut? How did he do it? Let's have a look at Luke 24 again. Verse 36 to 45. Luke 24, verse 36. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled? And why do your thoughts, why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet. That it is myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit have not flesh and bones. As ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken. He showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not. I'll say that again. While they yet believed not for joy. And wondered. He said unto them. Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and of an honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you, which I was yet, while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Very important now, verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. There's a lot in Luke there that we don't get in John's gospel and it's, it's, it's very helpful to put it all together. In Luke chapter 24 verse 37 it's written that the disciples were terrified when they thought they had seen a spirit, a ghost. At which point Jesus showed them his hands and his feet and he invited them to touch him. According to Luke's account, Jesus pointed out that a spirit does not have flesh and bones. Nevertheless, they still weren't convinced that Jesus had risen 
bodily. I don't think there's any doubt at this point that Jesus was in the room with them. But again, the doors was locked. How can it be that he's in here bodily? Again, their faith was very wobbly. And that's clear in verse 41 in Luke's account. Even though they had gone from one extreme to another, from being terrified to being joyful, you think of that on the spectrum, that really is one extreme to another. Terrified to joyful, they still did not believe that Jesus had a resurrection body of flesh. Don't you find that incredible to believe? Jesus is there, this is my body, touch me, see for yourself, feel it. And he, they didn't believe him. Because in verse 42 and verse 43, we see that Jesus ate some food. Did Jesus suddenly get hungry? I don't think so. He wasn't hungry. More to the point, Jesus did that to show them that he had a body. However, it needs to be pointed out at this stage that eating food doesn't in and and of itself prove conclusively that um, someone has a body. There was that time, uh, where was it now, Genesis chapter 18, where angels appeared to Abraham. This was just before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham's wife Sarah prepared them a meal. They ate the meal. Okay? So we need to remember that. Nevertheless, by inviting his disciples to handle him and then eating food in front of them, Jesus was nevertheless presenting compelling evidence that he really did have a body. However, it was only when he opened up their understanding that they understood the things that were written in the scriptures concerning him and his bodily resurrection. I gave you one of those things earlier on, one of those scriptures. um, Psalm 16, that Psalm of David. Neither will you let your hopes, neither will you suffer your holy one to see corruption. In Psalm 16, speaking of Jesus there. Okay, so Jesus was showing them from the scriptures and he opened up their heart, their understanding, opened their minds to, to understand and to believe these things concerning him. That's also how it was with the two disciples <clears throat> on the road to Emmaus. Jesus opening up their understanding. He read to them from the scriptures all the things concerning him. And it's not enough just to read the scriptures. But the mind or the heart needs to be opened as well to attend to the scriptures. And it's the same for us in here. I won't give you the joke because this isn't the time for jokes. But... um, Sad to say there's a joke that involves uh, a pastor who preaches and what he says goes in one ear and out the other. But that's how it is, unfortunately. Or that's how it is unless God opens hearts to attend to the things that are being said from the scriptures. If Jesus appeared now in this church and you saw him and you touched him and you even watched him, 
eating uh, a piece of cake or a biscuit after the morning service, that would not be enough. That would not be enough for you to believe everything um, concerning what has been said this morning, what you've heard from the scriptures, what you've read from yourself. Jesus needs to open your understanding to attend to these things, to, to take them on board. Jesus needs to open your heart, your mind, and uh, the Holy Spirit applies that truth to you. Whether you are considering <coughs> Old Testament prophecy concerning the death and the resurrection of Jesus, or perhaps you're listening to a parable of Jesus, the things that are being considered are deep spiritual truth. Most people, when they're listening to the parables, they won't get beyond the earthly story. Even when the the, the spiritual application is given in the scriptures, and that's often the case. <clears throat> you read a parable, and then afterwards, the, the spiritual application is actually given. And um, you would have the intelligence to make sense of what is being said in both the, 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 the earthly story and even the spiritual application. You say, oh yeah, I can, I can make the connection there. Yeah, I get it, I get it. But you wouldn't understand in a, in a believing way. You know, you, you, on an intellectual level, you might understand these things, but for it to really take hold of you, for you to understand in a way that your life is changed. That is a work of God. I don't pretend for one moment that people can't give me, that an unbeliever can't give me the spiritual application for the parables. But whether that has impacted on them in a, in a, in a saving way, the answer would have to be no. If they don't believe in Jesus. So the things that are being considered, whether it's parables or whether it's this resurrection passage before us, they are deep spiritual truths that the natural unconverted person is not capable of understanding in a saving way. The things uh, in, in, in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 18, the Apostle Paul described the condition of unbelievers in the following unflattering terms. He said, having their understanding darkened, this is you in here, if you're not trusting in Jesus, understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts. Ignorance, blindness of the heart. This is the, the, the condition of the unconverted heart. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, the Apostle Paul said, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Foolishness. The cross is foolishness to the unconverted man. But to those who are being saved, 
what we read in the scriptures concerning the cross, the resurrection and so on, it's the power of God unto salvation. One of the commentators has explained uh, this way. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God when they are offered to him in preaching and in teaching. He does not accept them into his heart for what they are, precious divine truth. To a natural man they sound like silliness, something insipid, tasteless, absurd. In his pride, pride is a big thing here, Pride is a, the, really the person who doesn't bow the knee before Jesus and doesn't receive Jesus for forgiveness. It's about pride, having a proud heart. In his pride, he may call them fables that are fit only for children. They clash with his own perverted ideas and desires, condemn them and work to root them out Hence his opposition. If you are someone who has stopped doubting by the grace of God and you now believe with all your heart that Jesus, having poured out his blood and laid down his life at the cross as he bare away your sins in his body, having done that, that he has risen and he has risen bodily from the grave, clearly this is important in God's um, plan that you believe that Jesus rose bodily from the grave, then that means that God has graciously performed heart surgery on you in order for you to attend to the things that are written in the scriptures. That Jesus rose bodily. I say that because there are many people, they study the Bible, they would call themselves... um, they would say that they are saved, that they, that they are God's children. I'm talking about Jehovah's Witnesses. There are about eight and a half million so-called self-proclaimed Jehovah's Witnesses in the world. I saw that on their own website. Uh, eight and a half million of them. They reject the bodily re- resurrection of Jesus. That's one of many, not faults, one of many grave errors of the Jehovah's Witnesses. They they reject the bodily reject, uh, resurrection of Jesus. And yet it's so clear to us here in the scriptures. So you can read the scriptures and it's as clear as, it's black and white there in the scriptures, but the heart needs to be opened to attend to these things. Let's have a look at verses 24 through to 29. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails. We've got this unbelief again here, haven't we? And put my fingers into the spirit of the nails and thrust my hand into his side. I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, the doors are shut again a week later. And and Jesus stood in the midst 
and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and have and yet have believed. The Apostle Thomas was not there the first time when Jesus appeared in the room. However, the others, they told him about it. They told him. He'd been with the others for three years. One of the, one of the apostles for three years. They came to him and said, we've seen Jesus in the room. In the flesh. We touched him. We watched him eat. And then, most important of all, he opened our understanding. He appeared in the flesh. But Thomas didn't believe them. Do you not find that a little bit amazing? Incredulous that they didn't, that he didn't believe. And that just goes to show how unbelieving we can be. It doesn't seem reasonable that Thomas would not believe the testimony of those apostles. Why would they lie to him about that? What would they get out of it? Nothing. But he, doubt, he doubted them. And we mustn't pick on Thomas because this is the same with all of us. This really does show how unbelieving the heart can be. However, Jesus appeared and appeared to him that second time when Jesus appeared in the room. Thomas was there and his understanding was opened and he too believed. And we have that wonderful confession in verse 28 where Thomas said, My Lord and my God. If ever you needed proof of just how sinfully unbelieving the human heart can be, just ask a Jehovah's Witness to explain verse 28. Have a look at it again. This Well, we're taking from verse 27. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto them, unto him, My Lord and my God. You show that verse, verse 28, to one of those self-proclaimed Jehovah's Witnesses, and he will come out with the most ridiculous the most implausible explanations about how Thomas was not declaring Jesus to be God. You heard me right then. Thomas said, my Lord and my God, and yet the JWs, they will go out of their way to explain to you that, well, actually, Thomas was not uh, acknowledging the divinity of Jesus there. It was just some exclamation. That's it. It doesn't go beyond that as being an exclamation. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful confession of Thomas there. My Lord and my God. And praise God for that. 
Thomas believed and praised God. But look what the Son of God said to him in verse 29. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. If you are someone who, having not seen Jesus, you nevertheless believe the scriptures, you uh, and you believe that he atoned for your sins and that he rose bodily, then you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And praise God through whom all blessings flow. Amen.